0: Hey, Welcome to Adaptable, a uh, podcast about TV shows and movies and video games that have been adapted into tabletop games. Uh, I am a video game reviewer named Brock Wilbur, and this is my co-host.
1: Hi, I'm Matthew Monigal. I am a, a film critic and occasional television critic.
0: Um, If it's a really good show. If it's like a cinematic show?
1: Yeah, you know, if it's a miniseries, if it's one of those Twin Peaks, is it a movie or is it a television show type things?
0: (laughs) Uh, So we have a a cinematic television show to talk about today. Uh, It's a it's a little something. You know what? Strike that. It's a it's a book series. It's our first book series that's never been adapted into anything else ever. Uh, It's called Game of Thrones.
1: Yeah, there's a lot in this, these books. I really hope someday somebody turns it into a television show that isn't super rapey. But you know, who knows?
0: I I don't think it could work. I just don't see it working. <laughs> That's like you know you. I think you're right. I think you're right. Probably. I, I think that like I, I would feel like it was a journey, but somewhere near the end, I'd be like, boy, they really shit the bed. Uh, we we should just get this out of the way first. Matt we're we we are recording this uh, the day of the series finale, Matt. how do you stand on on the television show Game of Thrones, which we I guess have to begrudgingly admit now exists <laughs> um,
1: you know actually let's let's talk about let's let's do a quick precursor to the history and then get into this because I want to talk I mean you and I have been you i like we've been favoriting each other's shitty tweets about this for the last couple of weeks.
0: <laughs> so we'll have a conversation about this on air. but um, if, if I like that I like that our the presupposes that just everyone understands that we both do a lot of shit posting oh yeah. and that and that they should follow that. Yeah, okay. so you probably had a thing worked out. what is a Game of Thrones? So a Game of Thrones is
1: um, something that you either win or you die. But more importantly, it's it's a book series that has been adapted as a television show. Um, uh, it's also been adapted clearly as a board game and like a million of those free to play um, app games, which we're not going to talk about at all. Um, so it's sort of an institution of itself, but most of you
0: hopefully... Also a uh, card game from the same people that made this board game.
1: Yeah, we've never played that. We should do that on a future show. I'm curious to see if the, the LCG, the living card game, adaptation for this is any good. Um, but originally Game of Thrones was a book series. Um, it's technically still is a book series. Ongoing, question mark. Uh, it, the first one came out in 1996. Uh, they're written by George R. R. Martin, who is... Um, both a really well-respected uh, fantasy and science fiction author who has, in his career, kind of moved back and forth between the literary world and television. Uh, he's worked on a couple of different television series of his career, so somebody that, that writes for a variety of media and writes extremely well. But kind of the, the instigating idea behind this book series is sort of fantasy without the fantasy. Um, Martin has talked a lot about how he wrote Game of Thrones uh, to sort of correct some of the tropes, the big like epic and, you know black and white villain versus heroes and magic and all the things that I, they aren't bad if they're in the fantasy genre. I'm not condemning those, but you know, may have been a little overplayed. and he had a vision of it that was more political. He had a vision of it that was um, more Machiavellian. Uh, if you've ever read or watched the player television adaptation of Wolf Hall, This is basically, the Game of Thrones is basically Wolf Hall with a couple of different dragons. But it's this fantasy epic series that takes place after a kingdom has fallen. There's a a new family that has, after a prolonged civil war, has ousted the former rulers and taken over the Iron Throne, which is sort of the seat of power for Westeros, the land where this takes place. There's a handful of different factions of different families that are either throwing in their allegiances with each other or begrudgingly keeping an eye on what's going on or maybe you know, planning manipulations in the background and, and thinking about how they can rise to prominence as their family. And while all of this is going on, while the, the book series is really focused on the uh, behind-the-scenes machinations, there's also this looming threat from the north. There's an, an army of the undead, which is hinted at and uh, is on its way down. And this is part of this you know generations-old prophecy that the army of the dead is going to fall on Westeros and they're going to Um, you know, winter is coming is the phrase you probably heard. It's going to usher in the end of of mankind as they know it. So, you know, there are a lot of really cool characters. The book, unlike the television show, um, kind of jumps around in perspectives. It's a large cast that Martin has created for this, and every chapter is rooted to a different character's second person or third person perspective. You get to kind of see what they're thinking as they're engaging this world. And there is a lot of fantasy elements present. There's a lot of sword fights. There's a lot of um, you know, like black magica type things, and a lot of mythology. But it really is designed to be. And and the early days of the television show picked this up well, kind of like a really manipulative political show with the the theme, the skin of this epic fantasy series. And at last count, um, Martin has, after getting rich off the success of the television show. And becoming one of the best known literary writers in this genre he's taken a well-deserved break that he will never ever ever come back from so i hope people have just made their peace with a
0: farm upstate he went to a farm upstate, up a farm
1: upstate. where uh, where he just writes his other stuff and doesn't need to work on game of thrones so there are currently five books in the series there are supposed to be two more coming they're not going to come out it's never going to happen you can get over it um, but this this book series, I mean, across five books are 4,000 pages, 1.7 million words. The television show that's adapted this is, as of right now, um, before tonight's episode, 72 episodes, each an hour long. Like, this ha- this is a volume of material unlike most adaptations of book series we ever see. Like, this puts stuff, like even Harry Potter, to shame. Just the amount of weight and depth and, and things that go into this. So, it's it's a really rich... Um, universe and we'll talk about the television show now Brock let's talk before you talk about the game let's before we get into that so is this television show bad or just really
0: bad oh uh, I, I love the show and and that takes a lot from me because I don't uh, I, I believe I brought this up in the fallout episode do not give a shit about fantasy uh, anything with a wizard or a dragon is an automatic that's a no for me, dog. It just never, it never clicks. Like, I am I know that I should be that sort of person that I, I just, I, I appreciate the Lord of the Rings films for what they are. I just have no buy-in. So the fact that I love Game of Thrones as much as I do, I think is a testament to uh, the writing and the work that's been done on it, but also to that, uh, what you brought up. So the It's about a Machiavellian political power play uh, more so than it's about any of the rest of this. And even as the the show has done, it it hints at a lot of like magics and things like that. And overwhelmingly, it, it casts most of those things aside uh, at some point. And it really just focuses back on the characters, which I, th- I think has been a, a fun, interesting cultural moment. And it's also the first time since like there there was a teacher of mine at like film school who talked about like how, you know, of America used to tune into, like, the same episode of MASH every week when it aired back when we had three television stations. Uh, And, like, now even the Super Bowl gets, like, something like 3% of America. Uh, And I feel like Game of Thrones is probably breaking that. It's the closest thing that we have to a shared communal experience. So the event of Game of Thrones is much more important to me than the show. But the show, um, I think, is good. And I think it has been good. And as mad as I've been at the a number of episodes this season just for shit in the bed and for um, overwhelmingly, like, clearly trying to, like, rush to an end. Like, just... Uh, they you, you reach a point where I guess the show becomes too costly to make, uh, which is why they made all these episodes like a year ago. Uh, and we, the funniest part of that to me is that, like, scene by scene... It can either look like it costs a million dollars a minute or it can look like absolute 90s CGI garbage with a green screen and there's no consistency. I do genuinely sort of find that fun. Um, but I think that as a whole, the journey has been great. And a couple of weeks after it's done, we'll all look back and really enjoy it. If if tonight doesn't go, we should have waited until tomorrow to record. this no, because no. any prediction that like tonight. I'm like, you know what? I think that I think that they could still pull this out. And like, No. You know you're wrong, Brock. You already know. No, I, I disagree. It's, I think
1: this is the perfect time to record this episode where we're both sort of like, who knows? And this will live on uh, in infamy. People will be like, shit, they really didn't know what was about to happen.
0: Well, and what the internet has pointed out is that we've hit that point uh, because the the books didn't come out that uh, people in anime have had to experience for years where the show has eclipsed the manga and uh, and so it goes somewhere else. And so there's problems that wind up where either they like, Tread water, trying to wait for the books to catch up, or uh, you know they go off on their own direction and maybe they don't know what they're doing. This feels like all of those problems in one place, but also with like a ticking clock of like wrap it up, guys. Just the Dave Chappelle wrap it up box uh, sketch, uh, and so it's it's ending weird. But like this week has been a celebration. Like somebody on Twitter a few minutes ago posted the scene. Uh, where Khaleesi like tries to sell off the dragon to get the Unsullied and then tells the Unsullied to like slay the masters and then tells the dragon to kill the dude and in the process reveals that she could speak High Valerian the entire time and like I got emotional watching that which again I don't I'm not the biggest Game of Thrones fan but I was like watching that I was like I remember a time that this felt like important and like it felt really good and I think that that will be what we take away from it at the end. Just like how I don't think I knew anyone that liked the lost finale when it happened. And now I have so many friends that are like, that's the best, like that things would ever happen or like, you know, with some time and understanding, you come to realize how good it is. I was like, really? Okay. So, you know, you were the Terrence, uh, the guy who edits our episodes. Hi, Terrence um, loves to bring up that. There's like a, a certain type of Twitter dude, <laughs> That like his whole personality is just like defending things that like ostensibly suck, and like at different points in my life, like it hasn't been my whole personality, but like I'll go I'll go to the mats for the movie Southland Tales by Richard Kelly, and like it, I I think that there was there could be a period of time where it's like you know who the Southland guys t- tales guy is on Twitter it's Brock. There are so many guys that do that, but like it is an overarching sort of communal thing that like uh especially in our corners of film twitter and stuff is to grab something and be like wow it's it's been you know a year or so since we last celebrated this thing that is probably bad the the redemption arcs for anything in pop culture are so goddamn strong uh that like i'm sure we come out of this and a month or two from now we all just sit down and write think pieces about like the incredible legacy of this is which like you you pointed out in trying to sum up what it is that this board game has to deal with in terms of adapting it's you know more than two decades of writing hundreds of thousands of pages and scripts and minutes of 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 airtime and 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 things around that like there is an achievement here that is worthy of recognition and it has overwhelmingly and mostly been fun and we're kind of piss babies to be like hey you know what there was uh, like two episodes that didn't really land for me and the whole thing is garbage and the the writers are shit. I still think that um, if, if you're watching the show uh, on, on HBO, the, the thing that sucks the most of it is that they do have the two lead writers come on at the end of every episode and do this sort of behind oh, the scenes and on something like Barry uh, when when they do something like this. Uh, it's so informative and you're like wow that's so cool and this is just like the most mansplaining thing that has ever happened where they're like you know the reason that we had aria riding on a horse was that um so a horse uh you'll see sometimes it moves faster than a person who walks and that's why i personally Made the choice that she should ride the horse to get somewhere faster. And you're like, in what fucking world were you the guys that were smart enough to do this? Which at the time that they like brought it to HBO and like we're talking about it, like everyone was like, there's no fucking way. No one wants this. No one cares. It costs too much money. And they like, they had enough unearned white dude mediocre confidence to be like, I know that i can make this and everyone will love it and they were right they were absolutely right and so like as much shit as i like to talk on them they were right uh and that that sucks but like it 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 is also just a bewildering experience to do that especially when you have them coming on to defend uh what has been the last couple episodes of the show which have been terrible where i i just kept screen capping it uh after the uh the, the bells episode because like their comments were like You know, what we decided to do was that you show that the good guys act more like bad guys. And like I posted that to Twitter and somebody was like, hey, spoilers, I haven't seen it yet. And I was like, fuck off. That could be a spoiler for episode one. That was perhaps the thesis of the show. What are you doing? Mm -hmm. Uh, So I don't know. I like it. It is a good show. Do you agree or is this thing just been tanked for you by this run?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I, I, so I have a lot of personal history with this show, mostly because my wife and I got together uh, at the tail end of 2011. Um, de- December oh, 2011 wow. was when we started dating, which was right around the time that the show was starting to emerge in pop culture. So um, the show started in 2011. We started dating in 2011. I'd read the book series a few years before that because a friend of mine from college had basically been like, if you don't read these, I will never talk to you again. And I was like, all right. I weighed that for a minute, and I was like, "No, you're okay. I want, I'm going to read these books." Um, but you know, we had like, Wait, sorry.
0: It, would you say you weighed that? Did you weigh the cost of like losing that friend? Like, yeah, Brian's okay. okay. You know what? I, but I was it like, is, you it know. is a lot of pages, and you've kind of not been that great lately. <laughs> yeah, there was already three thousand
1: plus pages to read at that point, so I was like, mm, we'll see. But um, you know, because of that, like. Sunday night, watching Game of Thrones quickly, very quickly became uh, kind of like one of the earliest rituals in my relationship. So we have a very positive connotation with Game of Thrones. Like I remember being in New York City the night that um, the Red Wedding episode came out and I was not going to be able to get to, uh, we weren't going to be able to watch it that night because I had had something, some kind of obligation on Sunday that had run late. So I said, okay, we'll watch it right after work Monday. I'll come over, we'll watch it there and Twitter. Being Twitter like went oh my god nuts and so it was it, it was something like twelve thirty I had work the next morning at, at eight it was like twelve thirty at night and we were texting and I was like I, we can't do this like I am going to take the forty five minute subway ride over to your apartment right now and then we are going to watch this episode at like two in the morning on a Sunday because we can't afford to wait and so that's something wait, that I keep you, where, coming where back to where were you to. living at the time I oh, was just across the way everything in New York is at least fifty minutes away from everything else. Um, right (laughs) but so you know to me that was that was a thing and then like as part of this as the show became even more popular and more people started writing about it the cultural criticism the event type thing really became even more so like the show was great but the conversations around the show were even better even when they were negative of the show because there was a lot of the sexual politics of game of thrones are not good Um, and but there's a lot of writers that have kind of Um, spent a lot of time talking about. I think of like Lindsay Romain uh, from The Nerdist and Joanna Robinson from Vanity Fair that were producing. I
0: I was on Joanna's podcast, uh, the episode that they did the Jamie like rape scene Mm. Uh, because they scripted like what if there was like a a consensual discussion uh, before the incest uh, sex on the throne or the, the dead body of a child and so we we read that and then later before the episode came out there was the decision to cut it it was like that was the right decision that it, well what was written was funny and interesting but it was like there was no need to try to punch up the jams on this one because uh boy what a disaster there's
1: <laughs> yeah but that, that to me that that's kind of you know emblematic of the show as a whole like as the show got worse as they ran out of source material and as sort of the emphasis of the show became less about subverting fantasy tropes and more about playing into fantasy tropes. Uh, you know, I think I think the last two seasons have been a bit of a disaster. I am not a fan of either of them. And, you know, I've been extremely frustrated with a lot of the creative decisions that they've taken. But, you know, I'm not one of those people that thinks that we should kickstart you know, a redo of Season 8. It's their show at this point. They can do whatever they want with it. You know the fact that they did this doesn't mean that the books that already exist are are gone you know so we can still go back and enjoy what we enjoyed about them but this show if in particular if you are, if I have you are time
0: thankfully with. an offline person and you happen to be listening to this it's important to denote that there has been a, a a petition with a million signatures on it asking that the eighth entire season be remade which is uh we have entered into i think an entirely new realm Of online privilege stuff and I saw you and Scott had a a discussion about this the other day but like it is it was followed up immediately by a a petition to not let Robert Pattinson play Batman in the new movie and these things have happened before to demand things especially like uh, a petition to remake The Last Jedi uh, where -hmm. they actually like sought money from people and of course people just pledged stupid amounts of money because there was no uh, responsibility for any of that and And that is what my take on this was like, if you sign a pledge saying like you demand that this happen and you'll do whatever it takes to make it happen, you should stand by it. You should at least be like, you know what? I would uh, I would go to Europe for a couple of months and I would work craft services to help them remake this thing, because that's how much I care, because if you don't have any sort of if there's no buy in whatsoever, why not sign every petition or why not sign none of them or why not? You know, just let people that make these decisions make the decisions. But also, like, I think the part that no one's ever talked about with this, which it's it's it doesn't deserve being talked about except to talk about toxic fandom, except for the fact that, like. uh, It's it's the direction that people go where they think that they have that much power, which in look, in my head, it feels like a real extension of like Gamergate, where it's like, I'm the loudest voice in this forum online And if I don't get what I want, I'm going to lose my shit. It's just it's 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 baby shambles. But I I don't think that anyone anywhere has written up in their coverage of it like these like actors have been held hostage to this project for like a decade now. Like there is no way you're going to get any of them to come back to do this, nor Should you ever want to do that to them? Like everyone that was a part of this thing that brought you joy, you should be able to say like, you guys go on and have other careers now. Like, please go be happy and not have to live like on a boat off the cliffs of Romania for four months at a time. Like right. it's fine. Everyone just move on. Be, and also like they're getting like, there's like four spinoff shows in the works, like prequels and and other things. Like there'll be more game of Thrones for you, including maybe someday some books that do a different thing. Fuck off into space. No one cares.
1: <laughs> yeah. But to, to sort of sum up um, that, I mean, even what you're describing there, the, the thing that I always think of or, or that I've come to think of with Game of Thrones is if you've ever listened to the Onion podcast, A Very Perfect Murder, um, which is a hilarious send up of like the true crime fiction format, specifically serial. You know, he yeah. always the main character always talks about, you know, oh, I needed to find the perfect murder to report on one that like commented on global warming and race relations and like the decline of the middle class. And like he has all this this joking criteria that he uses to decide you know, which murder he's going to turn into a podcast episode. But you very well could. Somebody could go back and, and people will um, go back in 10, 15, 20 years time and write entire entire books, write entire academic studies about how Game of Thrones so perfectly paralleled society and culture and, you know, the kind of conversations we're having right now. Like it, it is, it oh, it's Oh, been a mirror. It has been a mirror for society and fandom and culture in a way that, not very many other shows can because the the crossover of the type of content that it's playing with and the size of its audience like this will be a rosetta stone for popular culture 2010 to 2020 for a very very long time and i that to me mean gives the show meaning it'll always be interesting to to view it through that lens
0: sure but let's talk about, let's talk about the yeah, board we, game. We, we got to talk about the board game. We, we did too much and I'm sorry. And, and also if you're somebody that doesn't share our exact views on that, like, and I will, I will add that like a couple of people saw me being shitty about the petition this week and reached out to be like, Hey, you know what? Um, We are uh, ideologically aligned and we're both good people. And I just want to say, I kind of support this. And I was like, why is that? And they were like, you know what? I really, I hated it this much, and I think it gets the show so wrong, uh, and I think that the petition sends a message, but they were also like, and in no way uh, have I seen anyone, like, threatening that women should be murdered or raped uh, around this, which is incredible for a show about murder and rape. Uh, I was like, e- really? And they're like, yeah, I haven't seen, like, your textbook toxicity anywhere. So, like, until that happens, like, I kind of think that it's, a pretty good outpouring of fandom taking a new form. And I was like, you know what? I will entertain this idea. I don't, I don't see it that way. And it feels like so many other things I've seen before. And I know that at some point it takes a turn, even if it starts well. Uh, so I don't know I, if, if you're listening and I made you upset by, by saying that the petition should, and people that sign it should fuck off into space. You, I should walk that back and it's fine. And like, there's, there's, things to I think what we're both saying is yes there's an academic paper to be written about this and what this says about us at a whole and if you sign the petition you're not inherently a bad person I I should we should do that before getting into the board game sorry that I went too big
1: <laughs> that's fine it's fine you can fuck off into space if you want just know it's never going to happen you're not going to get another season eight so move along fans. and that's, find that's find perhaps your next the most thing.
0: interesting part is that like it'll never happen like it's such a cartoonish thing to ask for that I'm like Why? Why do it? Maybe I just don't understand. Maybe I'm too old and the Internet works differently now and everything is just this way. And I should just go be sad about what I'm sad about. Save your save your hopes
1: and dreams for the Snyder Cut, friends. Moving right along.
0: I've I've already uh, cut out my little niche of the Internet where I, I know that. You know, they're going back to change the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. And I know that some people will be disappointed with the new version. And so there will eventually be a movement to like release the teeth cut back when Sonic the Hedgehog had teeth. Uh and like, sure, let's let's do that. That's my petition. Release the teeth. Like that's all I want.
1: (laughs) I will sign it and on some other podcast somebody will tell me that I can fuck off onto space.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of spaces, let's talk about a board game. Yes. Uh, so, uh, I'll do sort of the mechanics here, which, uh, boy, it'll be short, because... Okay. So, uh, Game of Thrones, as a tabletop game, uh, presents you with a board that has a map of Westeros. Uh, it's divided into into much smaller areas. Uh, and then uh, what you do is that uh, each player of the game, uh, this goes three to six players. I'm right about that? Mm-hmm. Uh, three to six players. Uh, and each of you uh, picks a faction, and factions have sort of strengths and weaknesses uh and you get certain numbers of tokens that represent armies uh and you are on a goal to take the the iron throne which uh (laughs) for everything that we talked about about how much adaptation had to go into this this whole game takes place like basically episode one of the tv show uh yeah it starts there it's
1: important for you to know that um the game actually came out in 2011, the same year that the TV show started. So it is very heavily steeped in in the books. Um, and I don't mean it's important for Brock to know. I mean, it's important for our listeners to know. The, the game is really steeped in the history of the books, which is why it sort of starts and creates a scenario. Like, Daenerys isn't even in this. There's, a, there's an expansion you can get later on um, that will right. include House Targaryen and all of the Unsullied and all of that jazz. But... Really, the Iron. This game is is designed to pick up the first book.
0: So it, it, that means it starts when Robert Baratheon has fallen. Uh, so there's just no one on the Iron Throne, and it's it's everybody else competing for that. Uh, and yeah, no Daenerys, no dragons, uh, and and in fact, the thing that that first tipped me off to that's where we were starting was that um, there is a there is an element here which is sort of a ticking clock uh, that is uh, the the Wildlings, uh, not. Not the Snow Army, uh, just the Wildlings. And I was like, oh, it's been so long since I thought of the Wildlings as not friends to our heroes. It's been like two years now of TV show time. So I was like, right. OK, uh, yeah, the threat of the Wildlings that it doesn't seem as big as it did then. But also it means, uh, as Matthew has pointed out. Like, they didn't know where the show was going to go, so they were working off the books. So there's a lot of these, like, character cards and things that are related to characters from the books that I'm just like, well, who the fuck is that? <laughs> Never heard of Chibaldon ding Bound, and I'm just like, all right, well, cool to, to meet him through this, uh, which it it, it I, I genuinely like it so much because I was like, oh, this is just an adaptation of the books because they didn't fucking know where the rest of this was going. And that's interesting to me, especially as, like, a non-book reader, like let's let's explore what this story is. So you've got uh, you've got the entirety of Westeros here, uh, and the game is basically uh, built of of three stages. Uh, you have a Westeros phase, which is where the world is alive, which is such a cool thing. Like things happen around Westeros. Uh, sometimes uh, cards get drawn that affect everybody. sometimes they affect a few people. sometimes it doesn't affect anyone uh but it's it is a living world and and you are people within it and that's that's interesting uh and then there is a second phase which is called the planning phase and within this uh each of you uh as as players make decisions about like what's gonna happen like where your armies are gonna go what's gonna what's gonna move around what who you're gonna try and attack or where you're gonna try to send resources uh and you put tiles on the board and the tiles are are face down so like no one can see them but you've you've all, like, made your choices. And then there's a third round where everything gets revealed uh, and things play out from there. And when things get revealed uh, is when we get into the sort of, like, dozens of other mechanics in this game. This is a game where, uh, outside of the map, there are just a bunch of different, like, sliders uh, and things that count up and things that measure, like, who has more points in something. And it ranges from who's better at battle uh to who uh has an extra movement point to um there's a there's an entire element of this which is about managing resources uh if you you have to have enough resources to supply your armies and if you don't have like enough resources going out into the field then you have to get rid of those armies because they aren't there which is an intre- it, it is an interesting like resource management sim on top of everything else which makes sense uh, and then there are a number of uh, little things that play out, uh, like uh, a, a sword uh, that's a Valerian steel sword. That means like, you know, if, if you have it that round, you can add plus one to whatever your battle points are. It, this all pans out to being like uh, this round is a lot. Uh, everything mostly happens here. Uh, and, and ostensibly, there are 10 rounds of this in the game. But also the game can almost be won at any point. Uh, which is which is really interesting uh i found this a difficult curve of like learning what was happening to get into and then once it was there this is one of the the games that we played that like as soon as you've got it you've absolutely got it like you can throw the instruction book away you basically know uh what's happening uh and what happens is a lot of chaos. And so uh, there is an element here where uh, certain players will get what is a, a game of a, which uh, it is the throne token. It's just a, a very large cardboard cut out of the Iron Throne. Uh, and basically, when you have the throne token, there's all these situations that are going to occur uh, where there'll be sort of like a tie between the numbers on, like, who's got what. And if you are on the Iron Throne, you get to decide who wins. Uh, So it is it is not a dice based game. It is a lot of like managing numbers and sliders and and trying to read other people in a very sort of poker way. But also it is it is just this really interesting diplomacy simulator where every once in a while somebody has a lot more power than everybody else. But you remember who's wronged you. It is a fantastic adaptation of the themes of Game of Thrones into a board game that at first I was like, oh, this looks like sort of a Euro game. And, and especially when I saw the resource management thing, I was like, oh, am I going to be like spending most of my time like farming or talking to the Iron Bank or something? And instead it's like, no, it's it's more about uh, playing the other players. Uh, and, and as soon as you guys hit that point, it is an incredibly fun game.
1: Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head um, talking about adaptation. Like this does an extremely good job of kind of balancing the from especially from the first book or the first two books that the world of battling and intrigue that kind of is the motor that game of thrones runs on because you do have you know you do have armies you are expanding there is sort of a traditional risk element where you're basically like I move my guys from this space to this space and nope oh, there's a guy there so we're going to fight it out but really like Those influence tracks that you talk about um, and where you rank on them dictate so much of how effective you are, both in battle and in diplomacy and all the other things. So this is a game, I always pitch this when I invite people to play it with me, which I've done three times now, I think. Um, This is a game where you basically are never going to be able to do all the things that you want. You won't have enough resources. You won't have enough influence. You won't have enough tokens. It's a game of scarcity. And for you to be able to conquer the army that's adjacent to yours, or to be able to set yourself up with all the tokens you need in order to make a really good string of moves the next game, like, you have to give up something constantly, which is very thematically similar to the book, I think, where everybody was basically treading water, and, like, you know, all the different families and clans are kind of in this cosmic game of checkmate with each other, so who you align with, which other kingdoms you say... You know, yes, we are going to have an alliance, or no, we're not going to have an alliance, is the only way to make the game work. Because if it's a free for all, like everybody basically just clobbers themselves into submission, and you that that is the game for you, that is where it ends. So the most <laughs> the most important thing about, or the the only thing that really matters in the game, are um, your little uh, power tokens, and power tokens are kind of the game's currency. They allow you to bid to try and move up on the Iron Throne track. They allow you to take over territories where you can move troops out of them, but still retain the resources that those territories generate. And so you are constantly balancing, do I want to expand? Do I want to defend my borders and kind of collect resources from where I am? Or do I want to you know, just basically do little raids on people and like try and fuck with them and get them to lose? All of that is really fun. And I think the thing that Game of Thrones does extremely well. The thing that that I was curious about the first time that I played it and is now probably my favorite thing about the game, hands down, is that the starting locations are set. There isn't this thing where people <laughs> like, you don't roll to decide who places their headquarters somewhere and then kind of, you know, blah, from there. Depending on how many players you play with, the book tells you exactly which houses you get to include and exactly which locations those start on. So you are always starting the game from the beginning of the books. It's not a thing where you're playing, you know, you're playing with the different families in name only, but really you could start, you know, the Lannisters in Dorne, or you could start the Dornish in the north or, or whatever. And no, you you are limited to the right. reasons that these these houses control in the games. And you would think the first time, again, I thought that might be a limitation. I thought that'd be like, oh, so we're kind of stuck. So it really dictates how well you can do. But the game's balance is strong enough that everybody has a thing they do well and everybody has a thing they do poorly. Like the Lannister has, mm. have a lot of resources, but they're also deeply in the mix. They cannot do anything without pushing up against other people. Obviously, the Starks in the north have less competition, but they have less resources in their space as well. So you get to sort of always play out these variations starting from the, the first book. You get to replay the Game of Thrones, the first two, two three books, as many times as you want and every family from the Greyjoys to the Lannisters to the Dornish like everybody has a chance to come out on top and so it's a fun little simulator for playing out the politics and the intrigue of Game of Thrones proper
0: which which again could only really happen this early on when everyone's sort of taken abreast by the situation like any time later everyone's got too much going on which is why I'm like I I'm intrigued by what some of these uh expansions would add but I'm also like this is so balanced and good maybe it's just fine as a capsule of what it is maybe like season eight Game of Thrones tabletop game should be its own separate thing
1: (laughs) yeah and in in combat um to that point in combat one of the things that you do is you have a house a a deck of house cards which are basically characters from that house you know so you have Ned Stark you have Caitlin Stark or, or whoever else and right before you battle with an opponent, you get to play one card that's sort of like a one-time modifier. It adjusts your power up, um, and it has some special abilities. Cards that add a lot of cool bonuses tend to have you know low power, so that they don't affect your overall strength that much, and vice versa. But um, while those are fun to play, and they add they add just a little bit of of. Um, a kind of like a gambling component to combat, which is which makes the game a lot stronger and makes it a lot of fun. It's also fun to flip through those decks and be like, dead, dead, this character's dead, dead. Okay, one person <laughs> from this house card deck is still alive. Everybody else in this family is dead. Like Renly Baratheon, Caitlin Stark. Nope, nope, these guys are dead. And you just keep going through and you're like, this is ridiculous.
0: This, that was my flip through with, like, I don't know who some of these people are. <laughs> Should I play Renly
1: Baratheon or Stannis Baratheon? Are there any Baratheons that are still alive? Nope, they're all dead.
0: <laughs> Which, it's, it's that's sort of a weird moment to be like, wow, you know what? Uh, this show actually took us through a lot of things uh, because uh, it started with 200 characters and now it has none. Correct. Uh, and that includes the ones that are alive. That's my criticism. I feel like I'm being way saltier about Game of Thrones than I actually am, but like <laughs> I, maybe maybe it's just that I haven't had a chance to. the The only really fun conversation I've had about it was uh, after the uh, the Night King episode this season, where uh, somebody was like, "Well, I I know that this show is always supposed to be a, a metaphor for uh, climate change," and I was like, "Yeah, I, I guess I've kind of heard that, but I never looked into it." And they're like, "Well, the whole point is that like." The winter is coming, and like if we don't all work together, we're all going to die. And I was like, "Oh, that's that's really interesting." And they're like, "But if you can just defeat climate change, like as a little girl, then none of this mattered." And I was like, "Oh no, that's a really good criticism of what we're up against."
1: Ah, uh, but in this case, it's AOC. It's a metaphor for Alexandria Ocasio Cortez and she's going to step i don't know i can't i can't follow this
0: i hate it i hated it i wanted to stop you uh and and you stopped yourself we're we're good co-hosts i think so there are there are things about this
1: game though that that, um i i do have some criticisms um and they come specifically from how things play out but i want to i want to start with you brock was there anything about you know the mechanics very tight the gameplay a lot of fun when you were actually sitting down and playing with people, um, how did that play out? Were there any things that happened that you were like, huh, or oh? Uh,
0: here's my rundown. I did uh, two games of three, one game of four, so I I couldn't get six for this. I don't know. It is it is what it is. Uh, I'm sure that that's a good experience and, and probably a better one. Um, the mechanics seem to work. I, I always throw out first game we do as, like, if I have a problem with the mechanics, it's probably because me or somebody else just didn't know what the fuck we were doing yet um mechanics worked it it feels like a really tight game uh a thing that i considered a criticism which i'm now uh walking back on is that um so many of the games that we play uh the point of doing them as a tabletop game and with friends is that uh an emergent narrative uh will show itself uh and that didn't happen like there I, i don't have a cool story about like you wouldn't believe like what happened with the Starks and and this thing and like this this turn that happened and how that you know what a different version of Game of Thrones that would be because I realize it's because all the the factions were so well established from the start that like nothing seems surprising or or different like anything would have been fine so like I think that this is an incredible adaptation. I think it is a pretty fun game, uh, but uh, there is a part of it that I'm just like, okay, well, we, we get done with a game. And it, it's, it was never like playing something like The Thing that we've talked about previously or something where there would be cheering or, or anger. Uh, it was just sort of like, we have finished a round of this game. Thank you for, for playing. And that, that needn't be the biggest criticism, but it was a criticism in a way that I was just like, well, I don't know. it It's... Our longest game was over three hours, and our shortest was under two, Uh, and it just feels like a lot of work to put in for an experience that at the end, I don't know if I look back and go like, well, I'm really glad that we chose to do that instead of something else. Like, It is a game that I, I do think I will return to, but I do not know when because I don't know when I will feel uh, the pull to do such a thing. And, and I guess maybe one of the problems that, that I had, uh, especially with a specific group, uh, was that, uh, that the, the second phase, the planning phase, when everyone sort of decides what to do, um, if you are a person that, uh, that takes a long time trying to figure stuff out, uh, you can wind up making that phase last a long time while everyone else just sits around going like okay we get it just like come on just like make an army go somewhere uh and and that doesn't necessarily have to be a criticism of this game as much as it is a criticism of a specific friend but it is also a thing that was like okay i did google to see and other people had that a similar criticism of like it can really hold up there for a while so that's mine what are your thoughts
1: Yeah, so I think on paper, and i am gonna walk back what we were talking about just a minute ago. I think on paper, this game is extremely balanced. I think in practice, that varies a little bit for two reasons. Um, I played this with a game of four and a game of six. And I think that when you play at the smaller size, when you play with three or four, um, there's a lot of dead space between characters. Like if you are playing with a full six, everybody is pushed up against everybody. And so you start and you're like immediately to go anywhere and do anything you kind of have to start fighting so that kind of speeds up the combat portion of the game like the intrigue portion of the game a little faster even going from six to four because four was our second playthrough um, things felt different like it felt like there were players that were pretty much out of the mix and were sort of free to still take territories but do things at a, at a, a speed that was more beneficial to them whereas other players based on where they are on the board we're immediately in combat with each other. So I think player size matters. And I, I think, if anything, that's probably a recurring theme from Adaptable is the number of players you play with makes a big difference on how much you're going to enjoy the game. But I think Who would have guessed? The biggest problem I had with this, um, and it to the point where I think I don't know how to fix this initially like if this is your first or second time with game of thrones i don't know how to fix this for you i think it's just something you have to play your way through multiple times the best strategy in this game the way to really get the most out of this game is to fucking attack like to come out (laughs) of the gate swinging to like take territories to push hard to really like push yourself to establish an army and to continue to build that army early on but because there are a lot of mechanics, um, and it is like you said, Brock, it's a game that seems difficult until you hit that sweet spot on the learning curve, and you're like, oh, actually, no, this is good. And that's every game. Like once you understand the rules, you understand the rules. But again, another theme of of the board games I play is I am the host. Typically, I am the one that says, Brock and I are going to Brock and I are going to be doing a, a, a this game for our podcast. Can you guys come over? I will teach you the rules. We'll watch a video. It'll be fine. What that means is, like, I am not going to come out of the gate, like, knocking the shit out of one of my friends who was driven over to my house to play my game and what is fun, but is also kind of a favor to me. Like, I'm not going to do
0: that. Oh, my God. I had no idea you shared this experience. Oh, my God. It feels so much better. It feels like a weight is lifted. I didn't know you were going through this, too. Yeah, it's, it's tough because, like, they're not
1: attacking each other because they're new and they're still, you know, takes... Tics- Probably for a game like Game of Thrones, two to three turns to really feel like you have the mechanics down. And I am not going to do what I know I need to do, which is basically just sweep the board as quickly as possible. Um, And you know, so I like. And it's not that I'm. It's not that I'm not doing good things. It's that I'm. I'm. I am choosing a different strategy. I'm not choosing the attack strategy. I'm choosing like more of a consolidation strategy. I'm trying to set myself up for mid game as opposed to pushing early in the game, but. This is a game where really you're going to benefit from from getting into combat with each other. You're going to benefit in basically making enemies and alliances pretty early on. So I don't I don't know how to solve that for a first or second time player. Like I don't know how to basically say, hey, play more aggressive, because if you play passive mm-hmm. for three rounds, this game is basically going to be getting into like a king's like king-making territory, which is something that sort of happened in in both of the playthroughs I had. Is like there was First playthrough was okay. It was pretty balanced. One person wow. pushed really hard and then overextended themselves and then kind of sat in the corner and sulked as their armies got knocked off the board. But the second, in the second game, they basically by turn four, by round four, it became obvious that two people were more likely to win than not. And so the other two right. players kind of had to get into a situation where we were like, who do we want to win? Like, I don't want to play it that way because king making in general is sort of a, a shitty way to resolve any board game. But like, who has pissed me off the most in the last 15 minutes?
0: Um, who <laughs> This who's... is this is exactly my experience, too, because it is. Um, the, the, the idea becomes that you can, especially with a group of, of, say, four, you can sort of pick one person that you're going to just pummel. And you definitely need to pick at least one other person that you're going to befriend. But that'll carry over between games because everyone remembers. So it's not like you're going to beat up on on Tim and in the next game try to make an alliance with Tim because Tim's probably still upset about that. He's going to fuck you over. Uh, So if you're playing more than one round of this game with the same group of people back to back, uh, I feel like there's almost a legacy thing that's going to happen where like... Okay, but like uh, I, I don't. I'm I'm gonna attack you, obviously, because I'm still mad about last Route. And then you're like, no, no, no. It's like a different game. Like we're resetting. Like no, but like I, I, me, Brock. I'm I'm mad at you. I'm gonna go ahead and do this. Yeah, and, and you were right. There, there is um, in in video games, there's a, a genre of game called 4X, uh, which is uh, mostly space games, and it's about uh, explore, expand, exploit, and exterminate. Uh, and this game uh, gets into that in a very, like, surface-level way, which is good because, like, Euro games do this all the time, and there's a billion levels to this. This is a much more simplified version of that. Like, there, you have to supply, and you can also talk, but you can also fight. Uh, and But, like, I've never played a 4X game starting out, coming out of the gate attacking, and what you have brought up about the the particular problem of our review situation is that uh well i mentioned it on the episode we did of the thing uh there were multiple times where i was playing games where i could just like fucking end it because i had all the right cards and i was the thing and i could blow everything up and then didn't deliberately and let the game go on another 45 minutes because i needed to see the rest of the game and that's something that it's very funny to hear that like we have the reverse of the video game reviewer problem where it's like, well, I've got 48 hours and I've got to blast through this. We're like, I could win, but I need to sort of like pad this out just to like, see what uh, the mid game looks like. Cause if I keep winning, not only will I not see the game, I'll make my friends mad at me. And we kind of have to keep doing this podcast more.
1: But to me that, that that's not, I mean, it's, I wanted to say it's not a bug. It's a feature, but I don't think that that's uncommon, right? Like, I think that most board game groups, there are a lot of, there are people out there that have groups where everybody is very passionate and they come together and they do this. But a lot of the board game groups that I know are one or two people that are pretty into it. And then a handful of other people that are like, this is fun. I'll do this. Like, we're going to have, we're going to have IPAs and we're going to hang out and this will be how we spend a Saturday night or whatever. So I don't think it's unfair to say you need to think about these things before you have a board game night, because... You know, I the thing that I love about my group, I have um, a steady group of, of um, upwards of seven now, but basically through trial and error, I found like the group of people I know will play anything together and play them well. And I mm-hmm. I, I love this group. I, I, I'm so excited that I finally have a group of people and I'll name them because they always get bitchy when I don't name them on the air. So I have Danielle, Tim, Matt, Neil, Amanda, my wife, Andrea, and myself. Like this is this is my core gaming group that I can play with and I, the people that I play a couple of these different things with.
0: And to me, I, like, I'm so excited to hear you list your wife. Cause I really want her to be involved and not like in the other room. Like I, I love when he has all the friends over to yell about things on a little action figures
1: <laughs> to, to be, to be fair uh, in the game that we played, she actually started in Dorn and then basically was like, I don't really want to fight anybody. So I'm just going to stay in Dorn.
0: So she, <laughs>
1: Afterwards I was like, Did you have fun? And she was like, I, I mean, I had Dorn. I'm like, Okay, well, that's good. <laughs> but which is not an indictment. Dorn a
0: level of of enjoyment. Like, did you have fun or like a bad time? Like I had it I had Dorn. I had I, a Dorn time. I think it, fun. It, I think it was, it was more
1: that prolonged combat would have made her anxious. So um it was it was a good it was a good place to be like she felt, you know, she was in a place where she had enough victory points not to win, but to feel like she made a good show for herself. So she was she was happy with it. But I think that's something for her. for everybody <laughs> to consider too. Is like when you are playing these games, especially because we're dealing with licensed properties in this podcast, and we're talking about stuff that people are going to try that wouldn't. Like if you know that you are a, a fan of um, board games, then like you are going to go play, you know, uh, diplomacy or something like that, just because because it's a good game. But for something like right. Game of Thrones, where fans of the of the show might come in and and or fans of the book series might give it a shot, otherwise. Like You do need to be aware that one person is going to take point on learning the rules. And that person is, again, not going to have to play differently, but is going to be more aware of making sure that if you want to have repeat board game nights, you cannot be the Lannisters and then just wreck shit and be like, you guys want to play again? Because that's just not like, that is going to be a one and done thing with your group. So balance in the game is strong. Balance in your group is, is more important. And again, that that first group of six that I played with was the better experience. And it actually ended on something that that felt very appropriate to the books. It ended by Danielle coming up as the Greyjoys while I was, as the Starks, fighting on a couple of different fronts. She swooped up behind via the ocean and took Winterfell. And that's how she won the game. Winterfell (laughs) was the last territory (laughs) she needed. On the very last turn, the Greyjoys took Winterfell, leaving the Starks houseless and winning the game on that round. And I was like... That's a pretty fucking appropriate ending right there.
0: That is that
1: is <laughs> very canonical, and I'm very happy about that.
0: So, would you tell people to play this game?
1: So, if you are, um, we'll start with fans of, of the series. Would I tell Game of Thrones fans to play Game of Thrones 2nd Edition? Um, yes, I think so. Because I think everybody, it, the, the learning curve is a little steep. Uh, especially for casual players. You'll get there, second or third round, um, and I think they will end up having a pretty good time. The they'll You do need to play with a, as much of a full group as you can because you don't want people to be sort of in their own isolated pockets and feel like they're not part of the mix. But I think the hook here is basically if you've played Risk and everybody's played Risk and you want to have like a good house versus house battle, army versus army type battle, this is a really... A, a, a solidly more complex version of that um, that still allows you to sort of replay the the battles and stuff from the books that you love and I mean, we always talk about the music selections like in the last round I put Reigns of Castamere on and played it on loop <laughs> for the entire last round and that felt really really fun and really really rewarding so I think you would need to be like it, you need to be aware of what you're getting into in terms of complexity but I think this is This feels close enough to the book series. It takes enough of the things that we love about Game of Thrones, the books and the show, and makes it work as this interactive board game. That I would say yes, if you're a fan of Game of Thrones, go with this, give it a shot. Do you agree? And if you're not? If you're not? um, If you're just a board game person and you're looking for something to play, I would also say yes. I'm I'm a very soft yes. These are not strong yeses. I'm not like immediately (laughs) like, God, yes, do this. I would say yes because the mechanics of it are strong. It reduces the element that I know a lot of board gamers hate, which is um, luck. It gets rid of, of luck as a mechanic. And you really are, you can expand or contract your army based on the decisions that you make. There isn't a dice roll where you suddenly go, like, oh, look, I have 15 extra armies for no reason. So if you like kind of these combat games, it, it's a nice way to play that without feeling like you're basically just dice rolling for days. Nothing wrong with that. I love a good dice roller. But it gives you army versus army combat with more skill-based combat than luck. And I think every, everybody right. who really likes board games likes to win or lose kind of on their own merits and not have the board decide for them. And in that regards, I think game of Thrones is a good choice. What do you have? Come on. Wait, what Game of Thrones fans, <laughs> board game come, fans, what do you got? You recommending on, this? Hit me.
0: Uh, as a, as a game of Thrones fan, I, I think this is a hard recommend. Uh, and uh, it's, like the finer things club it's a return to a simpler time a time of elegance a time when uh everything kind of made sense because it was uh very clear uh lines on stuff uh i, I agree i i, I kind of went in i was I, I, even just like popping out all the pieces and like setting things up i was like ah, god damn it this is just gonna be biting off a lot more than i want to chew tonight and uh, it it just it clicked so quickly that i think i'm just still so thrilled with that i was like oh That learning curve, uh, God, uh, Fantasy Flight really nailed it on this one. This is, uh, it's exceptionally easy and, and it seemed to work well. Um, as there is, there is an element of it that, uh, I was going to bring up earlier, but I think it is both a pro for, uh, Game of Thrones fans playing this and for people who do not know anything about Game of Thrones, but just want to play, which, which by the way, my recommendation here applies to both because, uh, Even in in, in like setting it up and stuff, I was like, oh, this takes place basically episode one of Game of Thrones. Like this just feels like a war game. Like uh, Mm -hmm. I don't have to have an emotional attachment or understand anything really about any of the rest of this. It's fine. It is it is risk. And then there's other things, but they all make sense. None of them have special magic words. And I'm like, could somebody explain this to me? Uh, So the thing that I I found the element is that there is uh, as aforementioned, there's a bunch of these sliders. Uh, and some houses have, like, rank above other houses in terms of, like, the points that they get on these things. Uh, and so it's like, you know, are you better at at battle or are you better at, you know, these uh, these other elements? And they're, uh, that's where you get into, like, which house is sort of, which faction is, is better at these things or worse at these things. And that set of sliders doesn't change. So, like, if you know who the factions are while playing this game, uh, you already know, like who's better at war and who is worse at war and so on and so forth. Uh, And if you are just learning the game, that doesn't like jump around game by game. And it's such a big part of of several phases of the game that you don't have to keep like looking over into being like, wait, so who's, doing better now it's just always the same set uh in the same order and so uh by a couple of rounds in you sort of know what's happening
1: well it can, I, I do want to say it can change if you flip over the right cards but it can also not like you can Sh- sure yeah. th- you can you can affect it but at least you
0: you, you understand always start. the base rules yeah. of the world <laughs> yeah
1: yeah and i do i do want to, to say that it is I you know maybe this is a testament to just you and you and I and people like us and, and our weirdness but one of the most satisfying things for me and one of the things that I love about not only this show but my board game group is like you can feel the moment that your table switches from confusion to understanding of a game and like when everybody at the table cuz like the first round or two you know there's a couple people that are like wait what am I am I doing did I do that right but there's always a point at the game where you can feel that everybody suddenly stops reacting and trying to figure out the mechanics, and now they're planning and right. they get it. And, like, yes. that is the most fun feeling in the world as, as both a host and just a board game player. When, like, people stop, when the confusion dies out, and then people start really playing the game, I love that. And this is this game, I, I felt that even more than something like The Thing or um, Fallout when I was playing with a group of people there. Like, that moment where it clicks, and suddenly people are like, oh, I'm gonna plan two turns in advance, I'm gonna plan three turns in advance you were like all right this is great and that that click that click is what i love about this
0: as the guys that are always going to be the rules explainers for the group of friends perhaps we should have a term for this like uh, the transcendence moment or like the floaty wings where it's like oh i don't have to also do that anymore i can now just play because everyone's here everyone's on the same page now
1: yeah we'll just we'll we'll, visitation from the lord of light we'll say that (laughs) do you have anything else to add about game of thrones I don't think so, um, other than the fact that uh, I love that we're just going to have watched 72 episodes of Game of Thrones of the show and record this before the 73rd and final episode. And who who knows? Who knows if that was any good or not? But we, you will never be able to find our thoughts anywhere ever on episode 73. Um,
0: this is it. This is all you get. It's good. That's behind the curtain. Exactly. Uh, you have to pay. Adaptable. That's behind the paywall. I'm yeah for the Patreon uh, I'm Brock Wilber you can find me online at Brock Wilbur and you can find all my podcasts on iTunes just search Brock Wilber Matt where can people find you?
1: Uh, you can find me on Twitter that's the best place to see where all my various writings and stuff pop up uh, that Twitter handle is Labsplice L-A-B-S-P-L-I-C-E it's good and tonight in particular well you won't be able to follow this by now but anytime there's a big pop culture event usually Brock and I are right there in the middle of it just just retweeting memes away. So you should follow us. (laughs) We're, We're good. We're good follows because we follow even better and more clever people than us. And so we're great curators.
0: Yeah, yeah, we really curate the hell out of the shitposts. Okay, uh, that's been Adaptable. Please uh, subscribe, uh, send us a comment, and uh, absolutely let us know if you'd like to read us, uh, writing writing some things about board games. Uh, We'd love to expand this show uh, moving forward and let us know what you'd like to see.
1: Thanks, everyone. All right, thank you. Bye-bye-bye.